appeal to the guy who at the peak of his, the oldest biblical writer is John. Wrote five books, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation, most people think from the island of Patmos, all right? So, I'd like to take a look at a couple different things with you today, and I think if he's got wisdom, we ought to get us some wisdom in your notes. Number one, would you fill it in with me? He put my experience up front. You know, you really don't want a life coach that doesn't know how to use deodorant. You really don't want a life coach that doesn't brush their teeth, that everybody hates, that doesn't know how to get along with people. You really don't want a life coach that who isn't living and experiencing it right. And John lays out for you the reason that he says he's qualified to be our life coach. Look at verse 1 of 1 John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. You might want to circle that. The word life is used three times. Look at verse 2. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Now, John wasn't teaching about something that he didn't know about, something he had experienced, something he had seen the church go through. There are very few coaches who coach a sport that didn't play it. There are some, but there are not many professional coaches who hadn't played the sport. John says, I've been there. I've been with the disciples. And he starts out by saying, I want you to know my experience. He says, you know, it's, I've heard him. I've seen him. I've touched him. This is what I proclaim to you. This is my personal testimony. You all have a personal testimony. So did John. And his qualifies him to be a life coach, to write the word of God, to write the books that he did, to teach you and me. Look at what he says at the beginning. That which was from the beginning. Now that's right from Genesis 1, in the beginning, and it's from his gospel where he says, in the beginning was the word. And the word beginning here, you and I think had a beginning. No, this is a beginning that had no beginning. And that's how he starts out here, the exact same way he started all this. He uses these different picture words without using the name of, well, I won't say his name just yet. Here's the picture words, the word of life, picture word. This is the life appeared. And this one is the eternal life. I mean, good life coaches don't just tell you what to do. They paint a picture. They let you see what success looks like. Consider Vince Lombardi, right? You get to his team. He's got that Super Bowl trophy up there, and he says, Boys, you want to be a success? You want to get you one of those? This is how we're going to do it. I got another team there. I can get you there. He paints a picture. And, and John is teaching us about somebody but hasn't given his name. He's going to. He hasn't given us his name yet. Because one of the ways you discover who this person is 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 by the titles that they have. John says, look at my experience. Now let me coach you. And you have a free will. The question today is, will you let him do that? The second thing he says then is, join me. Right? It's not like any life coach that's any worth their weight. They don't ever think that they're above you. The, my, the one coach in Bible college that I had, one teacher that I had, he was my coach, no doubt, that I remember when anything was one of the most intellectually high iq guys, but he never lets you think that way. 
He always was, he put everything down on the floor where I could get it, where I could pick it up. And he could have been way above our heads, but he showed he cared about us. And he basically said, listen, we're in this together, join me. And here's, here's John in the gospel, and he says, verse 3, we proclaim to you which we have seen, he repeats it, which we have heard, so that you also may have, here's the word, fellowship with us. This is what he wants you to have and experience more than anything else because he knows is what the Father wants. And the word fellowship here, that will give you a Greek definition later, but it means have something in common with. Have something in common with. It can be a group of atheists. They have fellowship. It can be hell's angels. It can be whatever. It can be ice cream admirers who will be here tonight admiring ice cream. We proclaim this to you on our fellowship, second time you use the word, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. It's like, do you believe this? <laughs> do you believe this? We have fellowship? We write this to make our joy complete. All of the experiences and all of these, he kind of has this sense he's using the word we, but he changes it to I here. He says, come on, will you guys join me? And as you read the scriptures, never think that John is haughty and high and up there or anybody else. He's just drawing you in. Join me is what he says. All life coaches care about the person that they're coaching. They're not just a number. They spend hours with them, so they got to love them. They got to like them. They talk about family. They talk about problems. They build a bond. Otherwise, you're not going to listen to a life coach. And John is just right down there with you and me, and he cares about you. He uses the words all, and you can read all throughout this month, First John, you can read it over and over again. He talks about my brothers and sisters, my, and he uses the word dear a lot. You know, He's 90 or 95 years old. He talks to everybody like they're his grandkids. You know? So John knows Christian fellowship can only be had among true believers. That's where it's going. He wants you to have it, and you'll see here in a minute, fellowship can only be had among true believers, not people that wear a title. There is a special bond among us when we fellowship, just like the fellowship that Jesus Christ and his Father has. That's why he said it there. He says, you know what? The nature of the Father and the Son can be yours in fellowship, having something in common. What do we have in common? The Spirit of God. We have a different nature. Christians have a different nature. That old sinful nature can be and should be crucified. If by the Spirit we put to death the sinful nature, but if we don't, we will not have the Spirit of God in and with us. Every life coach has their idiosyncrasies. There's something about them that makes them special. Say, people say, oh, you want this guy because of this. You want this lady because of this. You know what John's idiosyncrasy is? It's this phrase that he uses a couple different ways. It's where he says, I write this, or we write this. On and on and on, he says, I write this. All throughout his letter. And why did he say he wrote this? That you would be happy. That you'd be filled with the joy that we have. In the top of your notes, you have the key word for the gospel, for First John. It's the word know, or know. I write this to you so that you may know. Several years back, I counted the number of times that the word no was used or its various forms. If I remember correctly, it was like 43 times in 1 John, in five chapters. You guys count it and email me, tell, if I, tell me if I got it right. He says, join me. You know, you know what makes John happy? Hanging out with Christians. You know what makes God the Father happy? Is when 
the fellowship he has with the Son, he has with you through his Son, Jesus. And he doesn't want anything to get in the way of that. John says, join me. What I have experienced spiritually fills me with joy. I hope it fills you with joy. So number one, he says, you're going to get you some of this wisdom. You, you have to look at his experience and his testimony. I think he's there. He says, join me. I'm, I'm not above you. Join me. Come alongside me. I want you to have this joy. I want you to have this fellowship with the Father, but it can only come through Jesus. And then a good life coach says, heed my warnings. They don't just tell you what to do. They tell you what to stay away from. You know, for example, one person in a situation, every time they came to talk to somebody, somebody was coaching them, they always talked about them. And this person had somebody pass away in their life, and this life coach. And so the person said, oh, somebody passed away? That's nice. By the way, and the person said, time out. I just told you, I'll just, my aunt passed away. One of the things you learn from a good life coach is a little empathy, a care. Stop talking about yourself. John Maxwell says the, everybody's favorite topic is themselves. So when you talk to somebody, you want to gain somebody's respect, you want to love them and care about them, talk about them, not about you. You get together, you talk about somebody about them, it's their favorite topic. It's their favorite topic. Heed my warnings, verse 8. Here's something that can take away that fellowship. If we claim, get it? If we claim to be without sin, the word sin here is singular. In the word singular, sin is nature. It's that sin nature. When there says sins, that's individual sins. When it says sinned, it's past sins. All right? If we say that we're without sin, without the sinful nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if you start out and you say, yeah, well, I'm, I'm not a sinner, you're a liar. But if you do realize you can have your sins forgiven, you can have them wiped clean, you don't have to walk in your sins. Verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, past tense, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. This is a great concern for John because he was among churches and he wrote to some churches and you read the New Testament, there were sinners in there and they didn't recognize it and they didn't realize it and they were arrogant and they were prideful. The Apostle Paul dealt with some of the same things, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. So John claims that sin, that singular nature, has affected everyone. Don't say it hasn't affected you. Don't claim to be without it. There's hope only for those who confess their sins and they have a need of Jesus Christ. Their sins are plural. You know, is there any hope for somebody getting a high school education when they miss three days a week and they don't do their homework? Is there any hope at all? Not much. Not every teacher is going to think, I don't care if you're here anyway. You've got to show up to class. It's just the way it is. And so, is there any hope of somebody who claims to be a Christian that is living in sin and getting into heaven because somebody told you you're always going to have sin. You're always going to sin. Everybody sins every day and we're taught indeed. If that is true, then John made a huge mistake. We'll, we'll look at it. We'll look at it. Uh, have you confessed to Jesus that you're a sinner? Because that's what verse 9 says. That's how we enter into the kingdom. You see, the kingdom of heaven starts on earth. Not when you die. It starts here. 
and it starts in our hearts. The kingdom of heaven has to be set up in my heart first. It's a prerequisite to getting into heaven. Are you following the teachings of Jesus Christ as thought throughout the fellowship? Do you have fellowship, right? How many people will not get into heaven because they won't confess their sins and they won't say, well, you know, when I became a Christian, the blood of Jesus covered all my past, present, and future sins. You better be real careful of that. I believe that's false theology. That means you don't need to ever repent again. And I know somebody that that's exactly how they lived. Why is John so concerned about sin? Because you can't have fellowship with the Father if you claim one thing and walk another. You can't. And sinners are not Christians. Can I ask you a question? If, if you believe that everybody sins all the time and you can't live without sin, what sins do you expect me not to commit? There's got to be some. But every time you say, well, Evan, you shouldn't commit adultery, I say, well, you said everybody sins. And you're okay with me lying to you and I talk to you. And you're okay with me taking money out of the, out of the offering plate because everybody sins, mine's just stealing. It doesn't even make sense. But here's the grace of God. It's not just to forgive us of our sins. It's to give us the strength to not sin. And there is a, there is a caveat that's coming, that if we sin, John pauses in his teaching, and he, he tells us about fellowship, and he says, heed my warnings, deal truthfully with your sin so we can have fellowship. When you read the Scriptures, if the word sin is used, not always, but most of the time, it's the sin nature. Plural is individual sins. And, of course, ED is past tense. We have a holy God. And I don't know why so many people think that the blood of Jesus Christ can save us, but it isn't powerful enough to keep me from lying or stealing or whatever. Number four, have integrity. That's one of the things John, the life coach, teaches us. Let me just break down these verses. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there's no darkness. Now, why does he claim that? Why does he say that? And we get it, right? No darkness, only light. He is holy. He's without sin. If we are in sin, we are in darkness. Jesus said he's the light of the world. And what does he call you to be? What does he call me to be? The light of the world. We're to be light where we go. We're to light it up. Why did John say this? Living in sin means living in darkness. So when somebody says, oh, well, we all sin, you know, if, I, if you have to approach somebody, if you, if you see somebody in sin, don't walk up to them and say, well, I, I really don't want to judge you. No. Make sure you're clean. Get the speck out. And then the Bible says, then you can help somebody else. He expects us to get the, uh, the, uh, the, he expects us to get the sin out of our life and then help somebody else if we can. So sin cuts me off from fellowship. It makes darkness appear in my life. All right? So verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, walking in sin, we lie and do not live out the truth. Maybe nobody's ever told you that and you didn't know, so today will you let your life coach coach you? You can read 1 John. You read what he has to say. And you'll see just as we open in in chapter 2. If we claim to have fellowship with him and we walk in sin, we are a liar. Be careful what you claim. 
Be careful not to claim you're a Christian. How many Christians might possibly have gotten saved, born again, whatever it might have been, and just believe this lie and will die and will be separated from eternity because they didn't take care of the darkness? If we claim this, John, the life coach, will not let any of us say, everybody sins, we're all going to do it, you know. The only thing he says to us seriously is if you're convicted of it, you have to repent. Turn, turn from your sin, God says in Ezekiel. I have no delight in sending anybody into eternity without me. He does not delight in sending people to hell. People ask that all the time. And I don't know about you, but sometimes these words throw us off, right? Saved. That's kind of born again. I remember thinking born again people were cuckoo, man. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, man. These religious people. I had a guy in in, uh, school, in high school, he'd walk up with his Bible. Hey, read that. What does that say? And I'd read it to him just to be kind, whatever. Walk away, nutso, you know. And then I read that those are the words of Jesus. I could have either said, Jesus is cuckoo, or I could say, maybe I should take another look at that. Is it possible today you need to take another look at what you believe about sin? That you can, and I'm going to show you. John believes it. I'll show you that he says you can live without sin. He expects it. Now, don't you just love, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, verse 7, we have fellowship with one another and with the Father and the blood of Jesus Christ, it purifies us from all sins. Here's a reference back to God is light. If we walk in the light. We sang a song this morning, I forget the name of the first one, all about the Word of God. The Word of God cleanses us. It shows me. Let's change our thinking to biblical thinking like I did about being born again. Jesus said, I'm just like, man. But it's a picture word, right? It was a picture word. You gotta, you're born once and then you've got to be born of the Spirit. That's how you enter in. And if you haven't been born of the Spirit, today is the day. If we walk in the light and the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't you, don't you just hate that? It purifies us from some sin, my Bible says. Some sin. No, it says what? All sin. You know, if you go to Madison Muffler and Auto Care, and they say, for the rest of the life of your car, all of your oil changes will be free. See them today. It's a special for everybody. <laughs> we'll be seeing you in a poorhouse. All of your oil changes for the rest of your life on that vehicle that you have right there are free. How many of your oil changes? All oil changes. Oh, we get that. I worked at a place. You know, and maybe you've worked at a place. I worked in a welding shop, and they had this uh, one room that had nothing but steel, different kinds of aluminums, everything, stainless, high quality, all kinds of stuff. And every, we were always, in our young time, we were breaking something. We were building something all the time. And the easy thing to do is to just, eh, nobody will miss that piece. But my boss had a rule. Take nothing out of the steel rack without my permission. Nothing. All of that is for, and so there's one time I was looking at something, I was like, I don't need that for nothing. But I said, I better ask the boss. So I asked him, he said, oh no, we need that for a project. Wouldn't it be awesome if I would have cut it up and he didn't have enough? He'd say, where'd that go? Evan, yikes, I used some of it. Bye-bye. All thievery policy, all thievery is cause for immediate dismissal. Trump shows up and says, you're fired. Okay. I got two laughs out of that. 
All right? All thievery. What does that mean? I can't take a pen. She was going to miss a pen. You guys take them from here. But they're allowed. It's not stealing. I'll just take a few sheets of paper or the, uh, this lamentation, thing, whatever, you know, just without permission. You get it all. John wrote all sin. We have to stop making the excuse that, oh, we're all going to sin. And I'm sorry, but I hear it taught by preachers on the radio. So you better check out what I'm telling you if it's true or not. They either are or the Word of God either is. I won't say me. I won't pin them against. John reads, it says, read your Bible, do what it says, confess when you're convicted, and that's how we walk in the light. Are you in the Bible? It's the only way to know the light. Be in it. And when it convicts, you're reading something, you talk about it's like, oh man, you know what? That's me. Lord, I need your forgiveness. I've been acting like that. And take some time, a couple times a week, to ask the Lord to show you, is there any sin? Is there an attitude? Is there something? Take some time, meditate on it. Let him speak to you. And, and if not, wonderful. Walk in the light. That's how we have continuous fellowship. John, our life coach, makes no excuses for sin. He teaches us to have the integrity to not claim we have fellowship with Jesus if we have sin in our lives. I know the question is as well, how many sins does it take? I'm not even going there. In your notes, I have just to be clear, right? At that, in your notes. Just to be clear, John opens up his second chapter using his, sing, his signature statement that you see all throughout the Gospel of John, you know, so that he clearly understands, so we clearly understand what is he teaching us about sin. Because the first part of that, Christians claim, hey, Evan, you can't say, you know, we claim to be without sin. Context, everybody. Context. What is, how does he open? Uh, you have it there in your notes, right? 1 John 2, 1. My dear children, I write this to you, idiosyncrasy John, there you go, so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, thank you, Jesus, tempted, we're overwhelmed, we're tired sometimes. We, we, if anybody, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, and it says, the righteous one, the holy one. The holy one wants us to be holy. Isn't it funny? We're supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ. He lived a holy life, a different life, and we find some excuse not to live the way he did or treat somebody the way he treated them. Just to be clear, he says, if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And look at verse 2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, individual sins. And not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus paid the price for the sins of the entire world. Therefore, no person has to leave this earth with their sins on their soul. Nobody does. He's in charge. He's paid it all. He gives the right to say, come to heaven, or sorry, you're separated. For those who will come to him, for those who will worship him, for those who will come to him for cleansing, to be born again, call it what you want, not only for our sins, he is the atoning sacrifice. Do you know what the word atoning, it can mean, you know, a financial word there, that a payment, but it is a way back to God. When you see the word atoning, it is a way back to God. Seated on the throne, Jesus Christ, at his right hand is, I'm sorry, is the Father, on the right hand is Jesus. 
Jesus at the right hand side of the throne. So when I confess that I have sinned, I have fallen, he turns to the Father and says, my blood will cover this sin. He has repented of it and has every intention of turning from it. Picture that. Even when you pray, he's sitting there. He's got the Father's ear. That's what he told us. So how will you wake up every day from this day forward? Believing the word of God, that the scriptures and what John was wrote was so that we don't have to sin. Will you say today, I don't have to sin. Help me, Father God. If I do, you have an advocate with the Father. You confess it, you get right with him. See the asterisks in your notes is John opens up his book, and I just put what is most important comes first, right? John opens this letter to us. He wants us to have the joy of fellowship with Jesus and the Father. He wants us to have the joy of the fellowship of other Christians. He wants us to have this joy, and he says the only thing that can mess up that joy and that fellowship is sin. He's a great life coach. He's going to tell you what to do, and he's going to tell you, heed my warnings, know what to stay away from. And as John opens this letter, that's exactly what he's teaching us. So I ask you the question today, does it have a sense that your Christian Christianity is not working? Do you have a sense that you're just kind of going through the motions? It used to be different. Is it possible that you bought into that teaching that you're sinning all the time and little by little it has caused a wall, the wall of fellowship between you and the Father? What's the big thing about Christian fellowship? You know, at this church, we believe there's five very important things to us. Number one is the Bible. We start and we end with the scriptures and what the scriptures say. Number two is prayer. That's the second most important thing. I learned to pray by going to times of prayer like you're going to come to tonight. There, there's something called a prayer plague that you might have, and I want to identify it later so that you can make sure it doesn't kill you. The third thing that we talk about is serving. Everybody serves. The church is not here to consume. We're here to serve each other. Jesus came to serve. The third, the fourth one is giving. You know, Jesus said, man, take a look at where their money is and you'll find out that that's where their treasures and that's where their heart is. Find out where their money is, right? And, and the last thing, and I sometimes hate the fact that it's last, is fellowship. Fellowship. It's just as important as any other one of those. And so that's why we always say, you know, stick around. Care about somebody else. What's the big thing about fellowship? Let me give you a couple things. It builds community. This church is splintered and shattered if we don't hang out with each other, if we don't care about each other, if we're not in Bible study together, if we don't stick around a little bit afterwards, if we don't come out tonight at prayer. And also there's an announcement, we're having uh, another fire pit night, you know. We're going to have ice cream there too. We're an ice cream. Our middle name should be Lifehouse Ice Cream Church. We're having ice cream there too. Do you know fellowship keeps you from falling? Something about being around other Christians will keep you from sinning, keep you from falling. Being in Bible study midweek. There's something powerful about it. Somehow or another, God's strength comes through his people. It is a great, great blessing because one of the things about fellowship, it isn't about what I like. It's about you. It's about you. Fellowship is about I care about you. It's, I want to get a chance to see if everything's okay. Kate, when I saw you at the altar, I was thinking, you know, I want to make sure everything's okay. I care about you. I love you. And I'm just saying, you know, I'm, now everybody's going to ask you, but I'm just telling you what went through my mind. 
because we care, and that's what we do. We care for each other. Are you looking for somebody? You know the greatest thing about fellowship and thinking about somebody else's? It's the greatest time you'll be like Jesus. You're thinking about somebody other than yourself. I don't really want to be here. Take it, uh, take that back. I really don't want to be here, but I'm going to die to self because this is exactly how Jesus Honestly, true ministry comes through lifting somebody else's burden, caring about them. Every day when you're on your way to church, say a simple prayer, Lord, use me today. Use me, don't lose me. (laughs) Use me, Lord. Use me today. My wife and I prayed this before we were pastors all the time, twice a week, Wednesdays, going to Bible study, Sunday. Lord, use us. And almost without fail, one of us would be helping somebody, ministering, encourage somebody. Maybe it's one of the greatest reasons God called me in the ministry because I said, what can I do to help somebody else? You're all priests. You're all ministers. Pray that prayer and see what Jesus does. And it shows non-Christians that we love each other. I look around here today and think of a variety of things that Christians have helped me, my sister Kay, my family, just, oh, I'll do that, boom, boom, you know, very little charge, no charge, helping, whatever it might be, and it's not about the money, I get it. It's just about people that care. The word fellowship is the word, I have it in your notes, it's the word for koinonia. There's a camp called Camp Koinonia. They do retreats, and some of you have possibly been to something like that. And so it's the word for fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation. So you have three lines that I'd like to just challenge you with and then have a time of prayer and then uh, we'll have a few announcements. Number one in your notes, would you please write in there, I'm going to come to prayer tonight. I tricked you, didn't I? I'm coming to prayer tonight. My kids will be there crying. Okay, we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. All right? Because... You might have prayer plague. And you know what prayer plague is? You've known and heard the announcement for two, three weeks that there's prayer, and it never entered your mind to go. That's a beautiful day. Beautiful day to do. When is it a beautiful day for Jesus? Prayer is our connection. It's the greatest gift we have. And I'm not going to pray. Well, fine. Just come. Spend some time with us. Learn exactly the way you did. Be careful you don't have prayer plague. Never entered your mind. I'm not going to that. That's almost demonic. Number two, join us for baptisms. We'll talk about that. The Canda's next, uh, is it next week already? Yeah, next week. It's 2 o'clock down by the lake. If you haven't been baptized as an adult, you've got to get signed up today. Nancy, right? Today, get signed up today. Get a brochure, get signed up today. We'll take you to the lake, and if there's five-foot waves, you could just stand there. You don't even have to bow, you know, just push you. Why do you need to be there? If the only time you come to baptism is when your family's getting baptized, how selfish is that? You need to be there for your other brothers and sisters. So when they come up out of the water, and they say, man, look at all the people from my church that are here. And the third thing is, is stay every Sunday with the purpose of ministering to somebody, help somebody. 15, 20, 25 minutes. What if you were to just say, you know, maybe I'll just help clean up today. Stick around and help clean up today. Our, our cleaners that clean up normally aren't here. I'm sure there's some type of a plan. But every one of us here today sits underneath a life coach. Someone is influencing you. You say, oh no, I'm my own life coach. Who taught you that? Somebody influenced you to teach you that. 
John said, I had the greatest life coach. His name was Jesus Christ. Walked with him, talked with him, saw him, touched him, everything, ate with him. I want to be your life coach, and that's what we'll be doing in 1 John. He wants us to have this wonderful, wonderful fellowship that can only come through Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me today? And if today you have sensed that you need to know Jesus for the first time ever, or if there's some sin in your life, just whisper a word up to him right now, and then we'll have prayer together. Jesus, we're not here to expose the sins of people, Christians. But your spirit can scream loud and clear in our hearts and minds. When we do, we have an advocate with the Father. But you said, I write this to you so that you will not sin. And you gave us the wonderful gift that if if we do, not when, if we sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ. The one who brings us back, the way back, to the Father. Forgive us of our sin. Help us stay on top of it. Help us to walk more and more as we think biblically to live without sin because it's the one thing that will really separate our fellowship from each other and from you. And I know that's not your desire. Thank you for loving us, I pray in Jesus' name.